And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hey, Steve. Hey, Joe. How's it going, man? Yeah, good, man. How are you? I'm fine. I wouldn't say I'm just getting up, but I am just drinking coffee for the first time. <laughs> um, where are you? I am in North London in the UK. Um, it's I'm winding down now with a beer. Right. Gosh, what kind of beer are you drinking? It's called a Proper Job. Hmm. So how's it feeling there in, in North London with the pandemic and the vaccinations and the uh, infection rates? Are, are you feeling better than six months ago or is it still the same? Um, better than six months ago. Um, I would say yes, better than six months ago. The first three months of this year was the UK's third lockdown. I think I was quite lucky because throughout the, pretty much the whole thing, I was delivering mail. I'm a postman during the day, so 
I was actually quite privileged to be going out every day and getting the sun and some exercise and stuff. So for, for, purely for me personally, I feel like I <laughs> didn't do too badly in the lockdown. However, the third one was really, really tough. I think for everyone, because it was winter by that point. The first one was summer and it was kind of novel to be able to stay inside and not go to work. But by our third lockdown, it was just like, all right, okay. Pretty dark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, I've just moved to London from Brighton, which is oh. a city slightly south of London. I'm sure you know. Um, and uh, I mean, I think the difference between the two cities is People in London are still very cautious. Everyone seems to have masks on still in London, whereas in Brighton, everyone had them off. Really? Yeah, they'd, they'd had enough. But I think because people were in such close quarters here, they're all still wearing them. So you were up in London by the time of the third lockdown? No, I, I moved here oh, last you're... month. Oh, okay. I'm really new to London. What's the difference, you think? Is it bright and cheery in Brighton, like people say, and dark and crowded in london or yeah sort of yeah i can see where the stereotypes come into play brian's a lot more relaxed and then london's this is a lot more people there's a lot more stuff to do i guess but then there's there's more energy as well people seem to have more energy here i don't know i find it more interesting but yeah i'm excited to be here and see how it goes anyway yeah i like both those cities i have a fond two fond memories they're fairly petty but um <laughs> i went to a thrift store and bought a pair of used university shorts for a pound. Oh, yeah. And then I went, I bought them specifically to go jump in the water. Right. And the water was super warm. I was very surprised. Which part of the sea were you on? Do you, do you remember? Just, you know, where the big pier is, I think, north or south of it, in front of the venue there. Man, lovely beach, man. Yeah, really nice. What'd you do during the pandemic? Did you work on music? It sounds like you did your day job but what else did you get into yeah um i did a lot of music i don't know how well you know the guys from park the van but uh it was a funny story actually my friend siobhan her mother is a she's an officiator of weddings and funerals so her mum did uh phil my current manager's son's christening and she was a fan of my music and she told him about it because she found out that he was a music guy. Me and Phil got to talking that way and um, one thing led to another and I started working with those guys and um, they wanted to release an EP so that sort of spurred me on to get one finished. I had, I'd had a few things that I was just, because I'm always kind of writing bits here and there. I'm always sort of in creative mode but it's finishing I always find tough. So um there was a lot of finishing being done. You started and finished it in the last year or so? Yeah, I think I had the concept, like, I want these songs to sound like this, you know what I mean? But there's one song on there that I started writing when, in 2013, so I just didn't know what to do with it for that whole time. But then, for yeah. some reason, in lockdown, the words just came to me and the melody over this beat that I'd created came to me. So it, it was an interesting process of just putting ideas together. Some, literally, there's a, there's a song on there called The Difference that I think I've finished within a couple of weeks, just pulling all these different ideas from different times. Sounds like it gave you the, the time and the microscope to really look at something that you might have just left behind. Definitely. And the um, EP's called Uncrowded. What's the story behind that title? I just struggle with feelings of isolation a lot. I'm quite an anxious person, 
quite an overthinking person, self-judgmental, self-deprecating person. Mm -hmm. And that can be isolating, having those habits. So the songs are just kind of me exploring those feelings. Yeah, and then Uncrowded just seemed like, I say Uncrowded in one of the songs. (laughs) So I just took the title for, for one of the songs. Yeah, I like that title a lot. It's a chin scratcher, if you will. <laughs> I like that. That's good. It's good for me. It's like I make you think and dance, dance a little bit at the same time. I'm That's happy. right. Um, <laughs> did you do any streaming shows or anything? I tried one, you know. In retrospect, I wish I'd put a bit more time into it. But I did one on, I don't know if you've seen, Bandcamp have started doing like yeah. a live show thing. And it was just me in my studio, really, just playing guitar and singing. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I like playing live, proper yeah. live. So some people really took to that and really made it their own, And but it's not for me. Right. How about now? Has, have people started playing shows in the UK? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shows are pretty much back here now. Um, I think there's always that looming fear for everyone of, here we go, we're going to have to go back into lockdown again. But for the time being, they're back, festivals are back shows about yeah so. have you played any shows no no not yet but we've got i've got one on the 16th of october and i've got one on the 25th of october in london and brighton <laughs> respectively yeah so i'm really excited for those and i feel like they're close enough now that they can't be cancelled right for any code. they won't be yeah they won't be so when you play live, what's your primary instrument besides your voice? I mostly play guitar. Um, I play piano on occasion live. Um, I do a lot of write. I mostly write on piano and computer, I'd say. You write your beats on the computer? I think I'd never really had a point where I was doing it separately. I was always producing and writing at the same time. I actually find it kind of unnatural to sit just at an instrument and write. You usually have to know how it's going to sound sonically. And from what I understand, you've produced for some other people. Is that right? Yeah. There's a guy called Max Pope. He's a, he's kind mm-hmm. of a rising soul jazz guy in, in London. Who I, I co-wrote a tune with him called um, Not the End of the World. But uh, other than that, it's mostly just students from BIM in Brighton because I live quite close to there. So I just had a lot of connections there and helped people realize their vision, you know. Right. Um, because a lot of people straight out of uni don't have strong ones. <laughs> But people seemed to like my sound and what I was doing, so uh, it was just a cool way to practice production and writing, and I hope that I can take that further. That's the aim, really. I love doing my own stuff, but there's something about doing your own music. You examine yourself too hard sometimes. It's just nice to work on music for music's sake, and then it's done, and someone else deals with everything else. <laughs> Sounds like the words of a future producer. To <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, since people have to wait about a week to see you live, I'd like to play um, Other Side. Hell yeah. Here we go.
like that tune, man. Is that the first single or the second single? So that was the second single from the EP. And You Were Wrong is the first, wasn't it? Yeah, but... That's my jam. Thank you, man. I mean, I love them both, but... <laughs> you Were Wrong it kills me. Sweet. But I feel like You Were Wrong was actually the last one I wrote, and I wasn't going to put it out first, and then... Mm-hmm. Um, part of the band sort of convinced me otherwise, and also like my friends convinced me. Cause I would send, I'd send links to people, and they'd be like, oh, "I love that you were wrong," and I'd be like, "Damn it!" Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I mean, I think they're both strong. I also think you know what's really powerful is the sentiment of of other side, um, and f- you know, from what I can tell, it comes from a empathetic, supportive perspective, uh, which we all need right now. Um, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the the message in that tune? There's a message, but it's also kind of me soul searching as well at the same time. But um, yeah, I wrote that song pretty much just after George Floyd was murdered. Obviously, we've seen this happen multiple times over the years. And uh, by no means am I saying that I'm not an activist at all. So I'm not trying to be sanctimonious. But as a person of colour, it does hurt to see stuff like that. Of course, it's, it's tragic. It's painful, but it felt like this was the first time that the world and white people had really noticed and taken umbrage to it. And the protests in the UK were phenomenal. I'd never seen anything like it. I went to one in Brighton and it was an amazing feeling like, wow, this, this is going to make a difference. Something's going to happen here. But there was also that kind of sense that, well, one, why wasn't there this reaction? Why hasn't there always been this reaction to police mm-hmm. brutality? And yeah. of course, it's because people have more time to pay attention to it now. So you have to consider everyone's got a life. They've got stuff to do every day. People can't focus on everything with their full attention all the time. You understand that. So if people are inside all the time, it makes sense. They would pay attention to this more. But even still, I was getting messages off people like, oh, I'm so sorry, Steve, about this. Like, why are you saying sorry to me? Like, I don't speak for black people. Um, right. You know, and then there was that side of it. And then there were people also saying, like, you know, why do we have to protest? Racism isn't a thing. And then also the other aspect of where my mind was at was I'm mixed race. My dad's white. My mum's Nigerian. So I was kind of unsure of where I stood and... Mm-hmm. how far could I identify with black people in that moment? Um, I don't know. I just had a lot of thoughts swirling around at the time, and that song kind of came out of that. Uh, so there was no real, like, defining message. It was just me getting stuff off my chest. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was uncertainty. And... It, it definitely has that message uh, and, and sort of that vibe of, it feels supportive to me, uh, you know, and it also might be, you know, how the notes are strung together along, you know, it's the combination of everything. It's just, it's got a good feel to it, which I think is extremely important right now. Yeah. And I wanted the, um, the music video to kind of speak to it as well. And we got a dude called Trevor Banks, who's a New York based video director. We got him on board to, to direct it. He did an amazing job. Um, I gave him the concept of a tune. He resonated with it, and uh, we didn't want anything too complicated. We just wanted it to hit home, but be quite simple. So it's just a, a variety of shots of various minority people singing along to the song. 
and uh, lip syncing to the song. I think it's really powerful and it accentuated the message so much. Because the, the the interesting thing I found was that, like my mixing engineer Tom, who um, mixed it, I was in the room with him and we were just getting it to sound right. And he was like, "Oh, what's this song about?" And to me, it was obvious. I thought I'd made it obvious in the lyrics, but he didn't. He didn't get it. And then it, the same thing happened with a few people. So I'm hoping that the video accentuated the message a bit. Right. Yeah. So did you did you grow up in the UK or Nigeria or both? Um, I was born in Nigeria, um, moved to UK when I was like three months old, I think. Um, it wasn't my decision. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I moved back to Nigeria for like 10 months when I was four. Yeah, but yeah, other than that, grew up in the UK. So, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, but I've moved around the UK a lot. What was it like growing up wherever you did grow up? mixed race in the UK? Well, so I grew up in Suffolk from, like, before I went to university, I grew up in Suffolk anyway, uh, which is a super white part of the country. Like, mm -hmm. there's not much immigration there. Um, if people have an issue with race or if they're homophobic or sexist or anything like that, it tends not to be because they have any experience with people that are different to them tends to yeah. be because they're afraid of stuff that's different so yeah i was one of very few black people that was quite hard you only realize later on in life how how much it kind of affects you so um but that being said as far as racism goes i think i probably had it quite well um you know it was never massively violent it was mostly xenophobia and name calling yeah i never felt in danger as such so yeah, I ask because, um, simply put, Suffolk sounds more like what the states are like in general. There's just not as many immigrants, people of color mixed, you know, all together, usually white people and people of color separated, you know. Um, What's Portland like specifically? Well, I live in Seattle now, but they're very similar. Portland and Seattle are both largely divided sections of the city with people of color and, and white people. Right. I guess it's mixing more and more, but when I first moved to both those towns, it's like the north side of Portland was the African-American community and everywhere else was the white people and similar in, in Seattle, but pretty separated. And on the West Coast, there's also large Asian populations, and that's often in a different part of town. We've never been to the U.S., so it's oh, hard you for haven't. me to no. It's hard for me to comprehend it, I guess, because I, I mean that does exist in the U.K., but I think there's less. I guess there's less room to <laughs> for people to sort of congregate separately. Well, I notice it in the U.K. I notice that it is more integrated. And well, in mostly in the metropolitan areas. I mean, I think if, yeah. if there are immigrants in rural areas, then they tend to it tends to segregate. But um, mm -hmm. London, you still have it, but it's definitely more of a melting pot. It's the biggest melting pot in, I, I want to say, the world. Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah. You will probably notice it when you come to the States. You'll probably just be like, whoa, only white people. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> um, so you produced this entire record yourself, right? Did you play all the instruments? No, 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 no. Not by any means. 
Um, okay. I used to think that was best when I was younger, but I realized I, no one can do everything. So, yeah, my, my band helped me out on this one a lot. My my bassist, Ish Hussein, he's an amazing bassist, although he'll never admit it himself. Um, he's a great bassist. Oh, Ish. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, he really is amazing. Um, he laid down bass on oh both those both the singles. You were wrong and other side. Mm. And I would take that back. He's a filthy bass player. Yeah. He's not just good. <laughs> those fucking bass lines are insane. No, I can't wait to show him this. <laughs> so Ish played bass. My mate Dave Bryce. He did some synths and some keys on painted over. And Camden Clark as well. He 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 did the drums on the other side. He's playing the drums. So you've got a band. Yeah. Cool. Um, you got any new music in your life you can't stop listening to? I do. Um, I've had a couple of tunes that have just been stuck in my head relentlessly as well. So there's a tune called Equilibrium by a producer called Darius. And it features a singer called Wayne Snow. I don't know what tempo it is, but it's like a dance tune. But the way it's produced and just the feel of it is so, so nice. Now, I don't like, I don't really like dance music. So the fact that I could say that, I guess, says something. Um, then the, I don't know if you've heard of him. There's a dude called Cartoons. He's from New York. I have heard of Cartoons just recently. He's got this album called Saturday Morning. And one of the tunes is called Something About You. And it features Will Hurd, who's a he's a London singer, just one of the most beautiful, powerful voices. Um, and that song's been stuck in my head for the last few days uh, and hasn't got boring, which is a good sign. How do you think he felt when he came up with that name, Cartoons? Do you think he was like, I'm a fucking genius? <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's so fun. What a fun name. Exactly, exactly. Moniker. Those names where someone picks one word name, but you think, how did no one else come up with that? Like, yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you a few more. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, please. Sweet. So, are you a fan of Drake? I'm not a fan of Drake, really. I don't know if I'm a fan of Drake. Yeah, I'm not particularly. <laughs> However, Yeba did that tune on his new album, mm-hmm. Yeba's Heartbreak, which is stunning. Yeah, I love that. So, but he had nothing to do with it, seemingly by the credits. So I don't, I don't really know what he's doing there. But it's given her some traction, so that's it. Um, and then one more. There's someone called Cleo Soul from London, um, and she released an album called Mother, and it's amazing. And one of the songs is called Twenty Three. It's just, it's such a great song. So those songs I've had on repeat, pretty much nonstop for the last few weeks. Yeah. I'll check them out. Um, all right, well, I'm going to let you go here in a second. But first, I want to, um, well, congratulations on the EP. It's killer. Thanks, Jim. I love it. Um, good luck with your show on the 16th and 25th. All right. Um, oh, sorry. I was going to say, what was that drink that you made that you told me before we started recording? So we were talking before we started recording about coffee versus tea. And you made the interesting point that you realized you like the bitterness of Guinness, and so you started drinking coffee. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I like the bitterness of both of those drinks. And uh, my friend Dan and former bandmate in Modest Mouse and I were in Germany post-sound check on a Modest Mouse tour, 
pretty bored. Went into a teeny bar by ourselves. Started watching a football match. Trying to decide whether we should drink coffee <laughs> or have a Guinness. <laughs> so we started with a couple shots of espresso. Then we're like, all right, we, we're going to have a Guinness now. And then a couple of eyes. <laughs> then I think our third decision was, let's have a shot of whiskey. How about some Jameson? All right, fourth drink. One of each, please. And we mixed them. And we went and played one of the best shows we've ever played. We we called it the trifecta. <laughs> Pine of Guinness and you pour a shot of Jameson and then a shot of espresso on top. You don't have to slam it, but you have to drink it pretty fast okay. because it starts getting alcoholy or too much coffee or, or right. too warm or whatever. Does it taste nice though? It does. It does taste nice. I'm gonna, it does. I'm gonna, it's, a, it's a good combo. You yeah. have to try that for sure. Because um, anyone who knows me well enough knows that I like mixing weird stuff together. Um, another thing to try real quick, uh, Guinness related is, um, you know, do you like port, like red wine port? Yeah. You get a, like 25 or 50 mils of port and then in a Guinness glass and then pour yourself a Guinness on top of that. Really? Delicious. People say Guinness on black, but that's usually just black currant. But you can use port instead. It's a really nice Christmas drink, but it does knock mm. you on your ass. Yeah. Well, this trifecta drink is good if your tolerance is medium to high yeah. uh, to have one before a show because it covers all bases. Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. relaxed yeah. and buzzed at the same time. I'm not encouraging drinking, but I am encouraging fun. <laughs> do, whatever you, do whatever you have to do to get there. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. All right, man. Well, what are you looking forward to in the next couple months? Touch wood, a Christmas where I'm not worried about killing my family and mm -hmm. spreading disease. Yes. Um, just continuing to make music, um, starting on an album, and uh, yeah, just getting to know London a bit better. Great. All right. I hope to see you come to the States, come to the West Coast. I think they're playing your song on the on the radio out here so yeah come over uh, i would absolutely love to i'm hoping to i think we've applied for south by southwest again this year so hopefully um it will be a, an in in person appearance this time but yeah it's it's a lifelong dream to come over so yeah. all right and you'll definitely need a trifecta for yeah. <laughs> the nine million shows that you play oh, well I'll, I'll have my first one with you all right sounds good all right, man, I hope to see you, and uh, if you travel, travel safe, and good luck with your shows on the 15th and 25th. Cool. Yes, the one. That's the one. All right. All right, Thanks, take Jay. it easy, man. Nice to speak to you. Peace, man. Likewise. Bye. Bye.
about me.